0: Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Big Sky Breakdown Part 4 for the second week of October. This is Coulter nuanas As always, you can find the Big Sky Breakdown at SkylineSportsMT.com. This Big Sky Breakdown featuring some of our most pertinent interviews of the week. University of Montana hosts Dixie State, a non-conference game on Saturday in Missoula. Montana State hosts Cal Poly in a conference game Saturday in Bozeman. Got up with some offensive minds this week, so we'll share those interviews with you. We heard from Nick Edwards, the offensive coordinator for Cal Poly, former Eastern Washington receiver, a guy played at Eastern, and then coached at Eastern, and then went with Bo Baldwin to Cal, and now is back with Bo Baldwin, this time at Cal Poly, and uh, he's got the tough task, the challenging task, of revamping a team that's ran the triple option for 20 plus years, and is now gravitating towards running more of a single back spread to Bo Baldwin favors. We'll also hear from Justin Udi, Montana State's offensive coordinator. We'll also hear from Paul Peterson, Former SAC State Offensive Coordinator, now the current head coach at Dixie State. I will also hear from a couple of my colleagues at SWX Montana Television, Sean Rainey. Our interview was not very playable for radio purposes, although we did record it for the radio. But I think if we do it on a podcast, you guys can turn it down a little bit. You can adjust your sound a little bit easier. So hopefully that works out. And if not, I guess I won't be offended if you fast forward through it. But then our weekly segment with Alex Eshelman, the Montana State Minute. ACI Breakdown, presented in part by Alpine Touch and in part by Blackfoot Communications. Appreciate those two great sponsors. We'll be doing our interviews segment of the Big Sky Breakdown every, every Thursday or Friday, depending on when I get it all cut up, but enjoy. Nick Edwards from Cal Poly, Justin Ute from Montana State, Paul Peterson from Dixie State, Alex Heschelman from uh, SWX Montana covering Montana State, and Sean Rainey from SWX Montana as well. The Big Sky Breakdown, MT.com. Going out of the Rangers Brothers RV phone line, it's time for our Across the Lines, presented by Mike Nugent Berkshire Hathaway. Could be a good time to buy, could be a good time to sell. No matter what real estate questions that you have, give Mike Nugent and Berkshire Hathaway a call. They are your local real estate experts throughout the state of Montana. Welcome in. Cal Poly Offensive Coordinator, a guy I've interviewed in a variety of different capacities. One of his time as a player at Eastern Washington, receivers coach at Eastern Washington. Now he's back in the Big Sky Conference, this time with uh, an interesting task of helping rebuild Cal Poly's offense. He's Nick Edwards. Nick, thanks so much for being with us, my man. How you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How you doing?
0: Very good, man. And first of all, it's funny. I, admit, you know, I've been covering the league now for a while, and uh, I remember first catching up with you back when you were playing at Eastern, and then when you were coaching at Eastern. You were the guy kind of behind the scenes with all those awesome Eastern receivers during the heart of the Bo Baldwin run there at, at EWU, and now at Cal Poly. So, just from a, a personal perspective, what do you like about living in California? What's it like being in San Luis Obispo? Because to me, that's one of the best towns I've ever been to. That's one of the great college towns in America. How you liking life and slow?
1: Man, it's uh, it's great, man. Um, I've been in the Bay Area uh, the last three years prior to this, and you know the acronym Slow. We we live it here. You know, it's, the life is just a great slow lifestyle. You
0: have the to beach town. But I, I didn't even think of that element. I mean, life in in San Luis Obispo slower pace, but probably the traffic. Even that this element, not living in the Bay, must be so nice.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, no traffic. Live about five minutes from work. Get to, see the you know um the players a lot more often um it's just it's just a better living for me my family my kids and the rest of the coaching staff well,
0: let's talk about this journey you've been on because you played for bo baldwin at eastern washington has coached under him for several years there as well followed him to the bay where you coached at cal berkeley and then now back with this new task of rebuilding the cal poly football program so uh, what about coach baldwin i mean what have, what has kept you guys tied together and what have you thought of just the way that he's influenced your coaching career to this point
1: Oh, man, it's been, a, it's been awesome. You know, I've been with him since I was 18 years old. Uh, now it's been like uh, 11 years that we've been together, 12 years. Um, it's been phenomenal. Um, I, I learned so much from him from a player standpoint, um, how he was with me, um, then on the coaching side and how, you know, he is with his coaches. Um, and he shaped my, um, you know, coaching philosophy more from a psychological standpoint, um, how to get the most out of your players, um, and how you could do it in a positive way, um, but still be demanding. Um, so that has helped me a lot as a player and that elevate my game and all the uh, guys that I've coached in the, uh, you know, in the past and now, you know, I, I believe that has elevated their game as well. And uh, it's been awesome. And I'm so grateful to be with him for such a long time and continue to keep learning from him from a day-to-day perspective. Um, and uh, it, like you said, it has been a journey here at Cal Poly, but you know, we're excited for the challenge, and uh, we're going to get it done sooner than later.
0: Well, knowing the coaching staff you guys got in place, I fully believe that. I also think you got a lot, a lot of talent to recruit from that area as well. Nick Edwards joining us here on the Rangers Brothers RV phone. That's Across the Sidelines, presented by Mike Nugent, Berkshire Hathaway Real Estate. What about Coach Baldwin? I mean, What has given him success? Because I think some guys, some head coaches, their program's, it's so easy to define what the culture is or what they want the identity to be. Like you look at Montana, like Bobby Houck just wants to hit you in the mouth. He wants it to be about toughness. He wants to run to the football, all those things. Coach Baldwin, he seems to have done it in so much more of a cerebral way. And you guys are just so dynamic in so many different forms and fashion. So what about coach Baldwin? How, how does he have the success he's had, particularly in the big sky conference?
1: Yeah, I could talk for hours and hours on this, on the reason why he has so much success. Um, but, um, from uh, outside the you know the white lines, I think the number one thing is he can get the most out of people. Like what I talked about earlier, uh, he's super personal as a head coach, um, and he does a lot of things to get most out of people from a psychological standpoint. Um, he understands his players um, because of how much time he spends with them and how to motivate them in a way that uh, is demanding and in a way that you know is going to challenge them to be better. Um, That's what I I do know. Um, The other reason why, you know, he has success is, like you said, yeah, he's super cerebral. Um, He understands the game of football and a way to attack guys um, and attack different teams. If that's on offense, if that's on special teams, if that's on uh, defense, you know, he's going to figure out a way to go ahead and, you know, attack people. Um, obviously, you know, uh, last week when we played against Montana or two weeks ago when we played against Montana, we faked a field goal. He just understand, or faked a uh, punt. He understands how to attack people. Um, he's been around the game a lot, and he's a guy that studies the game, um, and he understands it at a high, high level. Um, and the other biggest thing is eye for talent. Um, that is, um, you speak for his resume, you know, especially from the office perspective, um, uh, how many quarterbacks that he had and been successful. Um, and so like his eye for talent is one of the best I've ever been around. Um, and he knows, you know, what he, exactly what he's looking for. And he, you know, in a fit, um, he's not going to go out of his way to, you know, make sure something doesn't fit his, his style. Um, but he, always willing to adapt, but from the quarterback's perspective and from an offense perspective, he knows exactly what he's looking for.
0: Nick Edwards joining us, Cal Poly offensive coordinator, wide receivers coach. The Mustangs play in Bozeman on Saturday against Montana State. Coach, let's talk about sort of the overhaul that's going on at Cal Poly right now. For years and years, not just Tim Walsh's uh, era, but also before that even, Rich Ellerson, Cal Poly running the triple option. And I know it was a nightmare for everybody else in the league, because of the way that you had to game plan for it, and it was so different. And, uh, you know, I would always go through the, the composite schedule and see the teams that maybe had to play Eastern Washington and Cal Poly or Cal Poly and Eastern Washington back-to-back weeks because that turnaround was even more uh, challenging. But here you are now implementing a lot more, I won't say traditional, but more uh, new age, more modernized offense at Cal Poly. So what what has that been like? What is the biggest challenge as you try to revamp that Cal Poly offense?
1: Yeah, it's uh, everything's a teacher moment. You know, guys that have been here, um, that have been recruited, um, you know, they've been, you know, asked to do specific things um, inside their role, and they have been ingrained to do that um, over the years. Um, And then even the guys that they have recruited in the past, you know, which they have talent, um, but their talent was in a specific role. So now, you know, changing certain things that we're doing now, um, it has everything been a, uh, a teacher moment from a route depth, from a route perspective, from uh, learning how to you know, hit the hole differently than just being downhill, downhill, downhill in terms of the run game and the triple option. So uh, it's been good. It's been fun. It's been you know, uh, obviously as a challenge, um, but it takes time to, you know, for players and coaches to understand what they know, what they don't know, what do you need to teach, what do you need to emphasize. Um, so it's been, it's been good. Um, obviously, you know, recruiting, you know, guys and, you know, that fit our system as well uh, will help over time. But uh, the current guys we have, you know, they are smart um, and they're willing to learn and do exactly what you're asking them to do. So that is, you know, super encouraging. And that's, you know, the, the best part about being around the, our players um, as of right now that they are. They're willing to do what you say, and they're going to try their, you know, their butts off to go ahead and, you know, execute as much as they can.
0: I know, like, some of the schools in Georgia that have running the triple option, like Georgia Southern, uh, Georgia Tech, a lot of that stemmed from so many high schools in Georgia running the triple option as well. To me, and correct me if I'm wrong, it doesn't seem like there's that many California high schools running the triple, so... Uh, It seems like some of the young guys maybe have a chance to maybe go back to their roots rather than, because they were maybe learning the triple option, they didn't run that system in in high school, or I guess, where's the dynamic of your roster like? I mean, was there a lot of guys that have been running this system forever, or just when they were at Cal Poly?
1: Yeah, um, some of the reason why people, you know, run the triple option, um, if you go, you know, through through the landscape, is uh, it's easier to go ahead and find, you know, uh, running backs and go downhill, or uh, offensive linemen, you can... Um, and just kind of run the ball a little bit. It's hard to find, you know, a true quarterback and a lot of receivers and running backs that catch the ball at the backfield. So you see a lot of that in high school still. Um, and, and then um, if you want to look at in terms of college, a lot of academic schools um, or high, high academic schools, you know, they're a run first team. You know, back in the day when, you know, Stanford, Stanford has morphed a little bit. Um, they're, you know, a run element team. And uh, you go against the other teams like the Army, the Navies of the world, their academics is, you know, high, high. Um, and so, uh, from that respect, it's you know it's easier to find some of those guys. Um, but so, but when we did get here and we looked at the roster, they had, I believe, it was like twelve running backs on the roster, and some of those running backs were hybrid running backs, where they're like, tight end, but a run. They still had a skill set to run the ball, um, and I think they had uh, four receivers, one that just graduated that's playing in the NFL, I believe, with the Rams, JJ Kowski. Yep. Um, And that was that was pretty much it. So, um, again, when I said everything was a teaching moment, literally everything was a teaching moment from O line receivers, quarterbacks, running backs. Every position was a teaching moment um, for those uh, for for our players. And um, like I said, you know, they did a good job of, you know, learning and um, take on the coaching and going from there.
0: Across the sidelines, we do this each week, twice a week, here on Nuwana Now, taking a look uh, for the opponents of both Montana and Montana State. Cal Poly coming to Montana for the second time in three weeks. The Mustangs play at Montana State in Bozeman on Saturday. Nick Edwards, the offensive coordinator for the Mustangs, joins us now here live on Nuanas Now. And, Coach, let's talk about that. I mean, com- coming back to Montana, it's always tough when you got to go to Montana once, let alone twice, uh, because these two schools have great home field advantages, and this year particularly... Really good teams, too, a pair of top-ten teams. So what do you think of the challenge that awaits you in Bozeman on Saturday?
1: Yeah, there's a lot. Like you said, one, you know, both of the teams that we just faced, you know, they're really, really talented. Um, Obviously, you saw Montana beat um, UW earlier in the year. I mean, they just have a lot of talent. They have great coaches and great players with a great scheme along with that. Um, Talk about particularly this week, these guys uh, have done a phenomenal job to, you know, um, to – you know, find some talent, and you know, continue to build that place. Montana State—they have always been good. When I was a player, and until now, um, they have big, strong guys that are that will hit you. Um, and so, and on top of that, they, like you said, that they're—it's loud. It's a loud environment that causes natural stress for any opponent that coming into that stadium and trying to figure out how you—you know—your snap count, different things that you can do. So, they have a, a lot of just, you know natural home field advantage um and it's always fun to play in those environments when it's loud hostile um just ha- brings natural energy to the game um and so you know we're looking forward to the challenge and playing uh a great team on the road um to test exactly where we're at um and you know to showcase where we're you know gonna be uh, in terms of the future
0: Personal-wise, anybody stand out on Montana State's defense? I know they got uh, some pretty uh, elite talent, all three levels, but to you, anybody that, that pops off the film to you? Yeah, uh,
1: a lot <laughs> of the guys. Um, their D-line is they cause havoc both deep at the end. They are uh, aggressive, nasty, and they will hit you. Uh, linebacker number 15, he he's a big, long guy. I believe he was played quarterback previously, so I he know did. he's a smart cerebral player. Um, and he will just run sideline to sideline with all the effort that he can give you, and he will hit you. Um, they, they show up. Um, both safeties are, you know, smart safety. I know they have one, one drop down from Oregon State, um, number five, Jeffrey Manning. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a pretty good player. Both corners, you know, they have some length that corner, um, some experience that are strong, uh, that will challenge you at the line of scrimmage at some times. Um, really just their whole defense um, is, you know, really strong. Um, and, you know, that's kind of their... I don't know their, nothing about their offense, but they they are probably one of the top defense that we have faced. And we faced, you know, Montana, which it was a challenge. We faced Fresno State, you know, South Dakota, uh, some pretty good teams. And these guys are just... It's just another week, and not to mention that we faced Weber last week as well. Um, it, it, they're they're a talented bunch, very very talented bunch, and um, and it's going to be a, a good challenge to come up and face those guys on Saturday,
0: Coach couple Well, thanks for you. I know you were in the back twelve when Troy Anderson was playing quarterback, but when you hear stuff like that, I mean, this guy's a linebacker. He's 6'4", 240, and he moved over and played basically single wing quarterback and let Montana state to the playoffs a couple of years ago. I know you didn't have a front row seat to watch it, but when you hear stuff like that, I mean, that's, that's sort of ridiculous, right?
1: Absolutely. A guy that, you know, played quarterback. One, you know, he's going to be smart and tough. And again, I know they uh, probably asked him to run the ball and he, you know, from the past from the Montana quarterbacks that have played, you know, those guys are just nightmares at you know, especially a runner, you know, Prue cup, Denarius, Um, Two guys that I know for sure. You know those guys were just, you know, just athletic, tough, strong, um, breaking tackles, and just resilient. Um, And now you can kind of see the same thing um, on the defensive end. uh, He's just a guy that understands offense, Um, and I think you know he had a, a, I believe at least one pick on the year. He's just a guy that just knows football, and you know, and it's long. It's hard to throw over him. You know, it's hard to run at him. Um, That is a guy that has a lot of gifts.
0: Well coach, this matchup should be a good one at uh, Bobcat Stadium on Saturday. We'll get you out of here on this though, something that I think everybody can agree on. And uh, I'll tell you this, I'm never going to stop drafting this guy in my fantasy football leagues. I'm never going to stop <laughs> I'm never going to stop putting him on my Twitter show. I have a picture with him and it's like my prized possession cuz every time he catches a touchdown I'm like, dude, I used to know that guy. You used to know that guy, too. I'm sure you still know him very well. But Cooper Cup, what do you think of what he's doing right now in the NFL? Because he is tearing it up right now. Yeah, it's not surprising um, by any means. I think that's the craziest um, part is the guys that saw him early on and through it, like when I was covering him and you were coaching him, it's not surprising, right?
1: No, it's not. Not from from a, a performance standpoint, it's not surprising. He did the same thing in high school. He did the same thing in college. If you just go back and just watch him. You know in high school college until now he's doing the same exact thing right he's breaking tackles he's catching balls over people he's smart he understands the offense and this, this is preparation you know um, the way that he prepares the way he, he thinks it's just on a different level so the success that he's ha- having I'm not surprised at all by any means um, and I thought the Rams got a steal you know when they got drafted him I think they got a steal on you know his uh, salary contract as well um i just think that i'm not surprised uh, by any means he's just he's cooper
0: absolutely is knows how to win knows how to have success all of the above and i know he would tell me that you he had a that you had a big influence on him as well coach appreciate the time always a pleasure talking to you welcome back anytime and best of luck at bozeman this weekend appreciate you man Time now for continuation of a fun segment we got into on us now this fall season, catching up with the Cats. The live portion of this, the radio portion of this, we'll be talking to people that are currently involved with Montana State football, players, coaches. We also have an extended podcast series, archiving some of the best players to play at Montana State in my 10 years covering the Bobcats. This week, upcoming, Dakota Prukop will join us, so that'll be very fun. We got episodes with Mike Person, J.P. Flynn, Brad Daly, Zach Minter out so far. So go check that out, all your various podcast networks also available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Catching up with the Cats. Association between both ESPN Missoula as well as Skyline Sports. We join now Catching up with the Cats, Justin Udy. Again, it's had a fascinating arc of a career at Montana State but into now finally at long last, I'm sure, Coach, for you. Your first season actually coaching games at MSU. So thanks so much for being with us, man. And uh, How's it been? I mean, you had to wait quite some time to coach in games. It must be pretty fun to actually be coaching in games again.
3: Yeah, the season's been off to a fast start and um, having a lot of fun. I mean, this this community is amazing, and we've been getting a ton of support. The stadium's been packed at every home game, and and that atmosphere is what really uh, sets the tone. And so I know our guys sure appreciate the support. And as coaches, man, you can't ask for anything more than that, to coach somewhere where football matters, and it matters here.
0: You've been around a little bit. Well, how does Montessa compare? Because, I mean, I think people, even they know Montessa has great following, but I think that it even is maybe a little pleasantly surprising when you actually get into it. I mean, because Bobcat fans bring it, man.
3: No, they definitely do. One thing, you know, when you start to talk to people around the community and and people that, that really do follow the program, they're very knowledgeable fans. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that makes it even better because, Um, You know, when they do have conversations with you, they ask you all the fun questions that you'd actually want to get as a coach as opposed to just kind of the general broad stuff all the time. So that part of it uh, is definitely pretty unique and cool, but this place is just special. I mean, the support all the way down from the president, the athletic director, and, and then again, the community is what sets the tone. And really, what makes this
4: program what
0: it is? Well, Coach, just talking about your odyssey at Montana State. Get brought in to replace Matt Miller as the offensive coordinator, start implementing some stuff offensively, but then no games to be had. And then a new coaching staff, an offensive-minded head coach, and Brent Vegan, a new offensive coordinator, in Taylor Housewright. Now you're coaching receivers. What's it been like meshing ideas together and forming what you guys want Montana State's offensive identity to be?
3: Yeah, you know, I think uh, there's just a lot of guys in our organization that have a bunch of experience know several guys that have way more experience than me um on the offensive side of the ball and have, have been a lot of places and experienced um a lot of different styles of offensive football and so to be able to sit in a room collaborate on things and really uh, when that when it's all said and done it, it just comes down to your personnel i mean you there's, there's a lot of different offensive plays that you can run and and things that you can scheme up. But the one thing that that I would say is a strength of ours as as an organization is that we do understand our personnel, and we try each week to be able to put that personnel in a situation where they can be successful. And so that's really where our focus is. I know that's where Coach Housewright starts. And then as far as the rest of us who – you know, her, who are able to chime in and with, with other things that we would like to bring to the table, you know, it's it's really geared around our players and what we think they can do and, and have success with.
0: Justin Udi joining us here on Nuanez Now. it's catching catch up with the Cats. Weekly segment highlighting both current and former Montana State football players coaches just as the wide receivers coach over there at Montana State and coach let's talk a little bit about your group first and foremost I think probably pretty cool for some of the older guys the elevated opportunities that they're getting I know that a guy like Lance McCutcheon definitely bought in to what he was asked to do uh, in the previous offense but not a lot of balls coming his way and now I mean he's just tearing it up man he's one of the best receivers in the league Uh, especially when you gauge just through production. So what have you thought, just the way your guys have adjusted, it seems like, especially some of the guys that were around for the previous regime, uh, they they must be pretty excited to to get some more balls coming their way.
3: Yeah, there's been a tremendous amount of buy-in, you know, and it starts with Lance um, as a guy who, you know, really waited for his opportunity. We've talked about that a lot you know, um, in other, other interviews and other situations. But it really is true. You know, Lance, Lance has had one of those careers where he had some talented guys playing in front of him. Uh, he took advantage of, of a few of the opportunities that he had in those previous seasons. But this has really been his opportunity to shine. And, and in, for me, it really starts off the field. Uh, watching him grow as a leader and as a person uh, has been tremendous. And I think that that's really led to his success on the field uh, his devotion to being able to mature into all the extra film in uh, the relationship building and um, all the things that you would like to see a young man do uh, while he's having that success. That's, that's certainly what Lance is and what he stands for. You know, we had some other guys that, that have really bought in and, and found a role as well. And, you know, Willie Patterson, Jaden Smith, um, are, are two guys that come to mind that have done a nice job for us here early in the season that, uh, you know, for Willie, uh, early on in his career, struggled through some injuries and has finally been able to, to get healthy and, and find a role in that slot receiver position for us. And he's very dynamic, both as a as a runner and as a pass catcher. And and then Jaden, you know, Jaden Smith really shined last weekend, kind of showed. That his body type, his longer body type, can really be uh, successful over the middle of the field, and so I'm I'm really happy with them. I'm probably just more proud of who they are as people and and all the work that I know that they've put in to put themselves in this situation. It's not by accident, um, but we also know that uh, there's there's a lot of challenges ahead. And, and this week it starts with Cal Poly. So
0: that's the one of the most striking parts about covering this specific Bobcat team is. But, TSA yes, it's a great university. I mean, it's a great school. It attracts great people. And Montana people are great people, too. So the fact that half the roster comes from Montana, I mean, it makes sense. But this team, Coach, particularly, you have some incredible guys, man. They're really fun to talk to, very thoughtful and well-spoken and articulate. Seems like there's not a lot of egos. So what do you think a product of it? It's not just a coincidence, right? I mean, I feel like these guys, sort of just the way that the, the, the makeup of the team works, the fact that they are just so easy and, and fun to talk.
4: Yeah, I think you have to look
3: back uh, to where it all started. You know, and and certainly, you know, Coach Cho and his coaching staffs over the years did a, a great job of identifying the types of personalities that they wanted to bring into the locker room, the types of young men that they thought that they could blend in together. And then, you know, over the, the course of that time, we're able to develop a culture where it really was, you know, player led and player driven all the way down to the the team building activities and the leadership councils. And, um, you know, and I think when I got here back in 2020, that was the thing that I was most impressed with. And once you stepped in and you were around those young men, you you learned quickly why they were having so much success and they were really able to turn this thing each year. It gradually got better and better. And so for Coach Vegan and and the new coaches that, that came in this past year, I think they saw that as an opportunity where, you know, they they could take that and run with it. And so they, I thought Coach Beacon did a great job in the spring of kind of feeling it out, seeing which guys uh, he felt like could really help lead his program moving forward. And then he put those guys in situations to help carry the team moving forward. And um, but yeah, I think it's a product of, of the young men that you're bringing in and you're recruiting to your program that you know will fit in and. and Uh, Bozeman, Montana, and at a fine university like Montana State.
0: One more question about Lance McCutcheon, because I'm going to do a little profile on him later on this week for Skyline Sports as well. He seems to have, there's a certain element, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but there's a certain element of a spotlight that's on you when you're a local guy, you know, from Bozeman High School. But he seems to have have handled that so well. What do you think of that dynamic, the fact that he is sort of represent for his hometown? seems to take a lot of pride in doing that.
3: Yeah, it's a unique situation for him. Um, and that's probably something that I think is, is the best part for him and it, it can be it, it can be a little bit of a burden if you let it. Uh, but again, I think you know Lance is one of those guys that I've watched even in my short time here mature o- over the years and so uh, it's not a surprise to me that he's been able to handle the success but it is something that each week you know we sit down and we visit about and we're able to rechallenge ourselves and, and find the things you know, no one. I don't. I don't coach anybody harder than I coach Lance McCutcheon, and he, he knows that. He knows that. You know, the best players on your team need to be the guys that are coached the hardest, and that's what sets the precedent for the younger guys moving forward. And so, Lance lets me coach him hard. He lets Coach Vegan and Coach Housewright coach him hard, and he's very, very critical of himself. And so, I think you know, even in situations where it doesn't go his a his way he's able to move on to the next play uh because he knows that that he's put in that work he's invested that time and, and at blackfoot communications our mission is to connect people businesses
0: and communities to their networks in montana and beyond of this week of Across the Sidelines, presented by Mike Nugent and Berkshire Hathaway Real Estate. Welcome into the show now on the Rengish Brothers RV phone line, Dixie State's head coach, Paul Peterson. And, Coach, I don't know if you remember this from back in the day, but uh, when I first started Skyline Sports, you were still at Sacramento State. I think I remember interviewing you years ago. So thanks so much. I'm back in the radio gig now here at ESPN, but I appreciate you taking some time and a long time no talk, but how are you?
5: Good for you, buddy. Way to get back in. I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Let's start with the here
0: and now. First and foremost, let's talk about this opportunity you have at Dixie State. My first job out of college was as a sports writer covering the Great Northwest Athletic Conference when Dixie had first made the move to that league. And it was a good league with Humboldt State, Central Washington. But Dixie State has gone pretty quickly from a junior college to a Division II college to now a burgeoning FCS program that will join the WAC next year. So what do you think about this opportunity? Because you've been at the helm there kind of leading the way during this transition. What did you like about the opportunity when you first took the job? What do you think the potential of Dixie State is?
5: Oh, man, it's um, first of all, it's a great great place to be. We've got fantastic leadership here. Um, our president uh, really had the vision to make this jump. Um, and, and the athletic department, and our athletic director, Dr. Booth, done a great job of um, uh Fulfilling the plan, I guess, so to speak. It's, it's, it's a great place. It's, it's a growing city. Um, we're getting the facilities. We're getting a new press box here for next season and a new locker room. Um, some things that we're getting upgraded to, to be able to fit in some of this competition recruiting-wise that we're going to be in. Um, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're in a uh, great conference, man, playing <laughs> some really good football. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a process, this jump. It's going to take some time. Um, we've got some hungry players that that uh, want to prove that they deserve to play at this level and um, playing some really good teams you know so it's it's good to see like uh, obviously here the, the Montana is playing really well and um, to see what you know what it feels like what we need to look like and how we, how we need to uh, um, improve and, and, and get this program so where we can compete at this level and um, you know this 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 time uh, players especially want to get something right away, but it's uh, it's definitely a process, and it's it's really started when I got here two years ago, two and a half years ago, and um, really trying to uh, change the roster and what we look like and get some good scholarship kids, and um, it's, it's fun. It's been a fun challenge. It's a little frustrating on the losing end, but um, we're making strides in the right direction.
0: Paul Peterson joining us. The head coach for Dixie State. They come to Missoula to take on the University of Montana 1 p.m. kickoff from Washington Grizzly Stadium. I know Coach Howick's excited about that. He does not like the night game, so he's excited to be back playing at 1 p.m., first and foremost. But, Coach, uh, kickoff time aside, you have had uh, quite a taste of the Big Sky Conference. Our Andrew Houghton, our producer on this show, as well as a writer for us at Skyline Sports, he wrote a story earlier this week, actually, about both Dixie State and San Diego playing basically the majority of the Big Sky during the non-conference this year. The fact that you guys are playing an independent schedule allows for a lot of crossover. I don't make sense regionally, but you already played Sac State, Weber State, and UC Davis, um, three of the better teams in the Big Sky Conference this year, and now you come to take on the number six team in the country in Montana. So what have your impressions of the Big Sky so far been? What have you thought of the league as you've sort of navigated your own version of a Big Sky schedule?
5: Yeah, you know, uh, being at Sac State as offensive coordinator for five years and, and I was at Southern Utah when we made the jump, um, I think it's the Great West Conference, yeah, into the big sky. So very familiar with these teams and how great the football is back here. You know, you can you can see uh, all these big sky teams and the teams we're playing beating these Division One teams or, or at least making it close. And obviously uh, Montana's big win against Washington, it's good ball. And um used to be where you, um, you know, recruiting-wise, where you get a diamond in the rough or you knew about a guy. Well, everybody knows about everybody, and um, there's, there's, there's some good ball in, 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 this, in this league and these teams that we're playing. And like I said earlier, our, our goal is to be able to compete um, at this level um, week in week out, whoever, it's, whoever it is, with this conference or the conference that we're going in the whack, and it's um, definitely good for us to be able to play some really good football teams, including Montana. Let's talk about the recruiting
0: element of this. When you're recruiting uh, to different levels of football, you're obviously selling the level that you're recruiting to, but you're also hoping to get some guys that maybe have, quote-unquote, superior talent to that level. Also, so much about non-Power 5 football is about identifying guys that maybe you can develop, uh, and, and maybe they aren't yeah. just right out the box, you know, the, the guys that could become great players. But from your perspective, how do you go about doing that? I mean, are, you guys are obviously recruiting to a team that's going to be in the whack, but how do you balance that? Right. And obviously, you guys were good the last couple of years of the, uh, before moving up as well. So uh, there's also obviously yeah. some crossover between D2 and D1 as well. So just tell me about kind of your recruiting philosophy.
5: Yeah, yeah, no question. I mean, really, right now with the FBS schools and FCS schools, I think. For the most part, besides those early offer kids we're we're on the same athlete right, and so you kind of get that uh pecking order that trickle down effect with with um who's left who's going to be a good fit for your program, and you're exactly right with with the developmental potential, yeah, we're going to take that kid that's maybe a little skinny for uh, for that for that mount west school or or um or 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 maybe he's just got a, uh, an inch shorter, you know. Or but he's but he's fast, you know. We're going to try and develop those type of kids and get them in our weight room. And and by the time they're juniors and seniors, they're fitting in right and competing with these with these bigger schools. And I think that was um, it's shown it's shown up with these FCS schools beating these um, beating these FBS uh, schools too. So yeah, we've got to do a really good job identifying guys who are going to fit, who are going to who are going to thrive in our culture, that want to get better that want to reach their, reach their potential. And it's our job to put them in situations to be successful both on and off the field. And, and um, yeah, the, the big thing is is that um, here pretty quick, there's not going to be um, a big gap that we're missing in facilities or, or even scholarships. We, we made that commitment to get our scholarships right on the par, and so it should look pretty similar. So, you know, come to come to our spot, check out what we have to offer. If it's not the right fit, then, then we wish you good luck. If it is, let's go.
0: Paul Peterson joining us. He's the head coach for Dixie State. Dixie State comes to Missoula this weekend, take on the Grizzlies. This is our Across the Sidelines segment. We do this twice a week, highlighting the head coaches from the opponents for both Montana and Montana State. You're listening to Nuanes now on ESPN Radio, and maybe you're watching in statewide television, SWX Montana television. Across the Sidelines, presented by Mike Nugent Berkshire Hathaway. Mike Nugent Berkshire Hathaway, your local real estate expert. Could be a good time to buy, could be a good time to sell. No matter what you're thinking, Mike Dugit, Berkshire Hathaway has the answers. They are your local real estate experts around the great state of Montana. Uh, coach, uh, the Cedar City and St. George area, that part is the uh, fascinating part to me because it is, like you said, it's growing as fast as anywhere in the country. So in your mind, yeah. how can, how can a, a sort of a blossoming community like that cater to the growth of
5: athletics? Well, I just think our 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 reach, uh, you know, it, it primarily when I was growing up, this was a small town that you went to spring break. It's a little bit warmer. We kind of have the same weather as as Las Vegas, you know, Salt Lake. You have the the, the mountains and the skiing, and and so we come down here for spring break. But it's it's kind of a uh, used to be a little bit of a secret, you know. Now we got a ton of people moving in from from Nevada and California, and really from all over, and so it's 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 a. Uh, it's it's growing, you know. We've got this tech ridge where we've got a lot of companies coming in, and that just helps our university. And with this potential name change, um, so it, it it's awesome. You know, just up the street, you got you got Southern Utah University, and and um, I, I, th- I think it's a great healthy rivalry um, that, that that we want to we want to uh, pass them up. I guess you know that's 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 really the goal. And they've they've been established, won some Big Sky championships, and so we've got our work cut out for us but that's a great start we were going to play them uh, last year in 2020 but um with COVID we, we had to postpone that but we got a chance to a shot at Weber and they're a good football team so um it, it's just it's just growing so much there's a ton of momentum here and and it's it's definitely a positive environment for a, for a kid to come to and for really to, to coach at too I, I hope I'm here for a long time
0: it's fascinating, too, when you think about schools that have made moves or jumps or, or whatever because, obviously, the ideal example of all of them is Boise State. Boise State went from yeah. junior college to the one A to uh, powerhouse at the FBS level. And po- so much of that, though, was because of Boise's explosion. The fact that Boise went from a little mountain town of 80,000 people to now, I don't even know what, probably 650,000 people. I mean, it's a massive city by Northwest uh, America standards. So uh, there, there is sort of a blueprint out there. But I do think it's a fascinating fold just when you think about these cities that are uh, expanding and, and growing. I mean, Bozeman, Montana, Missoula, Montana are sort of in the same boat right now too with everybody moving out yeah. west. But I, th- I do think it's fascinating to see the way that uh, athletics can sort of harness that uh, community momentum, so to speak.
5: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hit it on the head with Boise. They had that they had a great formula and, and really um they, they had a vision, right? They saw that this was going to be that it was going to be a great place to be and our I think our president like I said earlier had had the vision um to be able to make this jump. You know, we could be nice and comfortable division too, but we're going to take some take take some lumps and get this process moving, but I think I think the vision's right. And I think it's a very good comparison with Boise.
0: Paul Peterson Dixie State joining us. The Trailblazers play at Montana Saturday afternoon here in Missoula. And, Coach, let's talk about the actual game at hand. What is your scout overall yeah. in Montana? They're coming off a nationally televised game. Uh, but when you look at the film specifically, what stands out, what defines the Grizzlies as you prepare for this game?
5: You know, they're they're a great football team. Coach Houck's done a great job. The second stint up there, I mean, he's always had good football teams that are physical, um, that love football. You can see it watching the film. They play tremendously hard. You know, it's fun. It's fun finding that number 37 on defense. You know, that's that's been cool to see. Uh, what a great tradition that way. Um, we got one similar um, on our team with with number three. We had a linebacker pass away, and Abraham Reinhart, and we we've kind of used it similar to what you guys do with 37. But um, that person exemplifies our uh, our culture and our standards, and that's Milwaukee, Milwaukee. But um, yeah, you know, seeing Coach Hauk's son out there flying around too, the safety position. You know, they've got some. They're going to they're gonna get after you, right? They're going to put a lot of pressure on you. As you saw in Washington that they um, put them in tough situations and, and and really got Washington off schedule. Some hard down in distances and, and a really close game. They've been they've been phenomenal, holding teams to not very many points uh, besides last game, and that that came down. They had to have you know you having that little comeback with their quarterback is a really good player. But um, yeah, great defense, great offense. They're going to find the playmakers and and put it in their hands and, and um, you know, they really want to control the line of scrimmage. And that's something that we, we definitely got to work on both sides of the ball where we got to, we got to get up there and compete and stop the run and, and also be able to run the football that we didn't have very, so much success with the last week, but um, good, good challenge for us. Uh, great opportunity for us to get better as well.
0: Montana's defense specifically, they send so much pressure. I think that when coaches talk about it, they talk about the percentage being somewhere around 60 to 70% of the time Montana's bringing a blitz of some sort. So, how does that match up to what you guys do offensively, and how do you go about mitigating um, some of those things? Because uh, if Montana gets rolling defensively, they can sort of overwhelm you with the amount yeah. of pressure they bring.
5: Yeah, I mean, it feels like they want to. I'm sure their their offense, you know, feeds off that momentum that they that they have. You know, ton of where They got 18 sacks on the year, eight interceptions, a bunch of tackles for loss. I mean. That's, that's I mean that's what you want to do as a defense. You know, offense we love second and medium and third and shorts, and they don't have very many down the distances like that. It seems like they're all backed up or have a tackle for loss, and so that's tough to climb out of. So for us, it's critical critical to control that line of scrimmage. If they're going to pressure that much, there's going to be some there's going to be some open areas on the football field, and and um, you know we've got to be able to collect it in the run game. And, and and also in, in, in the past game, there's going to be some open areas to be able to hit those guys. And our quarterback's got to be on point and lead the defense. And, and I'm sure they're going to have some some wrinkle for us. But they're, you know they're going to pressure us. That's some of the things that we've struggled with. So we've, we definitely emphasized that, obviously. But um, it's that matchup battle. We've got to win our one-on-ones and, and uh, get into our playmakers' hands so they've got to have a chance.
0: Tell us about your team a little bit. Uh, who are some players to watch? And, and what do you like about some of the guys that, that you got on your squad as you guys come to Missoula?
5: Yeah, you know, I think I think Jalen Powell's really really stepped up. He's our inside slot receiver. He's one of our main targets and um he he's done a really good job for us. Um was a captain in in, in the springtime and um he, he's a kick returner for us and, and um when he gets that opportunity you can see he can he can run a little bit. Our our quarterback situation we've we've had um some inconsistent play um at that position, but I expect uh, Kenyon Oblad to bounce back and and, um, and he's a UNLV transfer for us and, and, and perform well at a high level. You know, we're pretty, pretty young. I want to say we got 65 freshmen and, and, and about 85 freshmen and sophomores on our roster. And so just getting these guys in a position to be able to compete against these guys is huge for us and get that experience under their belt. A couple of these freshmen are, are tackles, um, Cannon Pamphiloff and, and Ty Hyde. Those are guys that have really bright futures for us. And, um, you know, uh, Cade, Cade Beach is another guy, and Quali Conley, our running back. Um, these are guys that you're gonna hear a lot. Drew Canales-Robles, our senior running back, is a good, good, been a good player for us um, this season. We need to get find ways to get him the ball. And that's uh, offensively. Tyrell Grayson on defense, our safety and Darius Nash, our other safety. Those are two names. Uh, Tyrell broke a record earlier in the season. I think he had 21 tackles or 20 tackles, and and he flies around the football, makes some plays. A lot of like, uh, like your Hawk guy, you know, and and. Um, um Devin Perkins another good good cornerback he's a young freshman for us has done some really good things for us um yeah so a, a couple guys that Malaki Malaki I already mentioned he's a he's guy that wears like your number 37 he's wears our number three you'll hear him a lot his name a lot he's he's got a lot of energy and he's got a lot of uh, a good leader for us and and um, um likes getting everybody fired up so you'll definitely notice him in the game for sure
0: well, coach, we look forward to watching your team on Saturday, and it should be a good one. It's supposed to be at least decent weather in Missoula, and that always means uh, raucous crowds and a fun atmosphere. But last question beforehand, yeah. you, you: played a college ball, at Boston College, so uh, give us your scout on Matty Ryan. Has he got another run left in him, and what do you think of Matt
5: Ryan's Matty team I, in the league? <laughs> Matty, I, I, I he, so he was just a freshman. I was a, I was a JC transfer, and right. so we, we obviously play, play together, but. Um, he just seeing his success has been it makes me smile. I think so, man. He's a fierce competitor. He it looks like he's got some guys surrounded. He's he's been thin a little bit these past few years after that Super Bowl, but it looks like he's got some weapons and man, he just doesn't seem to age. Finds a dude all over the field, man. Good for him.
0: Well, coach, appreciate the time today and best of luck on Saturday. Yeah.
5: Yeah, we look forward to coming up there. We we always appreciate it. Montana fans are great. It's a great atmosphere. It's fun. It's what really what college football is all about, man. So we look forward to coming up there. Thanks for having me on.
0: Paul Peterson, Dixie State head coach. saturday night uh, i guess this would actually been sunday morning uh, we were sitting on our airbnb methodically and very slowly working because we were all so tired and i think the head the head hit the pillow about 4 a.m pacific time so that would have been 5 a.m on uh montana time Missoula time and then i texted sean sean rainey swx montana television who joins me now uh, when, did you, when did the bus get back? And you said it was about 5 a.m. too, so you actually probably went to bed an hour later because you had to drive home still too. I know the fans lo- love the night games. It's cool, whatever, but uh, we're getting old too old for this, man. It was I'm pretty tired right now still, we're, and we're coming to you on a Tuesday.
6: Yeah, 5.45 is when my head hit the <laughs> pillow, um, got a couple hours of sleep, and then was back in the studio because we taped the Grizzly Sports Report Sunday mornings, Coach Houck. Still wants that Sunday morning time. Watch. He uh, he was like, I was like, did you watch the game already? Well, it was Sunday morning. He's like, yep, watched it. I came into, the, came into work earlier this morning, and I'm just like, okay. we got like two I, hours of sleep.
0: I was uh, actually talking to a um, – I've gotten to be sort of acquaintances with one of the people that's – one of the film guys at Montana. And uh, I was asking him about that exact thing because basically it's not just the filming of the game – it's the cutting up of that film and then uploading it. But the technology is so sophisticated now that I bet you every coach on the Grizz coaching staff had watched that game before they even got back to Missoula. Because they're, oh, yeah. they're just watching on their
6: iPad, right? Yeah, you got, I mean, you can get it on your phone, right. iPad, whatever you want right away. Yeah,
0: yeah so just instant reaction, which is uh, definitely um, it, it's transcendent compared to what it used to be like because now you can't just get rolling on the next week. Which is where I want to start with this game. We're going to talk all things football, uh, maybe even get into some gambling. This is our all football all the time. Presented in part by Sportsbet Montana, uh, the Sportsbet Montana kiosk. No matter where you're at, your, all your favorite establishments have them. Uh, I guess we'll start there before we get into this Grizz game. Did you did you have any good bets this weekend? Did you make any money this weekend? Oh
6: yeah, to, I got to make. Oh yeah,
0: he says the a pro now. He makes money every weekend
6: uh well I got the make it ready podcast so I do all, I' go through all my picks of the week on there and I was <clears throat> up nine units two weeks ago up seven units nice. uh last week nice. uh just rolling I rolled just kind of rolling with the the teasers and you could just uh I, I Kansas City I knew was not gonna lose so um you can bet like alternate spreads on sports bet montana so I just pulled Kansas City to like minus two and then paired that with a, a bunch of other games and yeah it did pretty well I
0: forgot that I'm supposed to tell you that we're recording this because we have to tell you that now by FCC guidelines, but we're coming to you from uh, SWX Studios here in Missoula, and uh, these boys were watching all the uh, ABC Fox uh, fine folks, particularly the sports guys. They got the Red Sox-Yankees game on. So in terms of sports bet Montana, I was actually over across the way. I threw a 20 in there and took the Red Sox. so, no matter where you're at, there's a Sportsman Montana kiosk near you. Um, Sean, the late bedtime aside, an instant classic, in my mind at least, what we watched on Saturday. So often when you come out of a game, you think – well, this, this, and this happened, but this, this, and this could have happened, or this could have gone better, this could have gone worse. Win or loss, there's always all these different things to scrutinize, and I think that there's definitely a few different things to scrutinize coming out of this game and or to dissect, but more than anything, I thought these this was two teams doing what they do best really well, and... Montana had the momentum for the first three quarters. Eastern seized it, and they win They win going away. And part of that is just because they have one of the best players in the country in Eric Berrier. So more than anything that the Grizz could have done or any of that stuff, I thought Eastern just made all of the plays. And I thought it was an incredibly entertaining and really fun game to cover.
6: Yeah, I mean, it kind of went as I thought. Yeah. I, I said that.
0: Sean nailed this. I got this fully wrong. Sean nailed this last week. I, I had it fully wrong. I thought the Grizz were going to dominate Eastern with their defense. And they got to Barrier, but you were you were right on. You thought it was going to be back and forth where Eastern's offense was going to finally find a little bit of momentum.
6: Well, I thought, I thought the Grizz defense was going to make plays. I thought Eastern was going to make plays. And I said it was going to come down to the Grizz offense being able to execute. And they weren't able to. They were not able to execute enough. Um, especially when they got the interception when it was 21 to 10 late in the third and you're on a short field, all you got to do is get, you know, 25 yards to get a chip shot field goal and go up by two touchdowns and you have all the momentum and you probably win that game. And there was just, there's a lot of plays that were left out on the field. Um, I think they dialed up like it was a play action to a chem, um, on that first down play and he was wide open and, and you miss him, And so, um... The Grizz offense is just was not clicking. Um, a couple, it weeks, hasn't been though. A couple of weeks in a row now. Um, I was surprised. Like not not a lot of trick plays. Not a lot of um, you know stuff that we haven't seen. It was pretty pretty basic, pretty general. Um, a lot of running on first down. Um, but all that said, I think the Grizz the Grizz are the the better team. Eastern just has the better player at the more important position.
0: And it's it's the most important position, he's the best player.
6: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like but if you're just going across the board at every position, like the Grizz overall are the better team.
0: And they play well enough defensively and on special teams to win that game. So you're exactly right. It's the offense that let Montana down. You don't want I mean it's a team support, you don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but the offense act executes it even an adequate level. Montana wins that thing going away, right?
6: Yeah, and you can't I mean you can't throw a pick in the red zone. Um also but like it it's not a lot of people want to just kind of put it on the quarterback, but like...
0: Well, I, th- I think one thing that's been been missing is why, I think that there's been a lot of blame on the Grizz offense across the board, but how about the fact that Eastern just played better defensively than anybody expected them to?
6: Yeah, I mean, but why is it that... It always seems like Eastern's defense plays better against the Grizz than anybody else? Well, of course, they're both well juiced up! I know, but still, you'd think that Montana's offense would, should be able to exploit it, but like, you know, a lot of people want to blame the quarterback, but like... And, and I don't watch the all-22s. So like, I don't know if the Grizz wide receivers are separating. I certainly don't think they're separating like Eastern's wide receivers can separate.
0: Here's what I'm seeing, just a brief breakdown. I'm seeing teams take away Cam Humphrey's first read, yeah. and then they're taking away the check down in the flat to the running back. And that's what Cam does. He looks on his first read that's usually going to the wide side of the field, and then he checks down the running back. And when either neither of those are open, he starts glitching and that's where he like he's hopping up and down in the pocket and he's trying to get through his reads, but he can't make a read, and it's where he's short circuits almost. He can't get there. But regardless, I thought Eastern's defense played pretty darn well as well. So credit where credits due there too.
6: Yeah, and like you said, um Eastern just made the plays. Like that the interception in the in the end zone, um, you know, I I, I think it was obviously not a well thrown ball, but I mean if you're the wide receiver there, like you almost got to, you know, rip, you know, offensive pass interference, like you can't let him catch it either, you know. So, um, but credit to Eastern for for their guys kind of making making those plays. And uh, man, I I really thought Cole Grossman was going to come down with that touchdown. Like he had two hands on it, and it just barely popped out. And uh, hey, all that said, if you're if you're there's two ways to look at it, right? One is the optimistic view, and that's. There was a lot of plays that were left out on the field for Montana. Eastern made all kind of like the big plays, especially down the stretch. Yet Montana was that close to still winning a game that they didn't play that well in and they didn't make as many big plays down the stretch. The pessimistic view of it is they got a lot of work on offense to do. And if if they certainly want to have national championship aspirations, they're going to have to get a lot better on that side of the ball. Um, they got very banged up. That is starting to become an issue. And, um, you know, and, and then obviously, like, you're, you have one loss in conference, and now you're going to need help to win a conference title.
0: Nuana's now all football all the time, presented in part by Sportsbet Montana. Sean Rainey, SWX Montana Television, joining us here on ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. And uh, I thought Eastern did a couple things Schematically, that were that were interesting. I thought they were good. They took Patrick O'Connell out of the game in terms of as a pass rusher, which I thought was smart. Obviously, because he's one of the best pass rushers in the country. But also with all of the, the the chess match and the X's and O's, both of these coaches, Bobby Halkin Montana, Aaron Bessa Eastern Washington, they both said after the game, "Hey." Bobby said. They made more plays than we did, and Aaron Best said, we made more plays than they did. And that's really what it comes down to, Is you can talk about all of these different things, but Montana's defense from a personnel and schematic standpoint is going to give everybody in the country so many problems. The, the last deep completion to Tololo to Lemu-Jones, Montana dials up a perfect double-A gap blitz with Marcus Wellnell and Jace Lewis. The protector decides to take well-nil. Jace Lewis has a clean shot. He flushes Berrier. I mean, he drills him face mask to face mask and, and hits him super hard, takes him to the ground, and Barry off his back foot. There's a 58-yard bomb to set up Eastern's go-ahead touchdown. My view is that there's no other quarterback in this division, in the FCS, that can make that throw. Montana, if they dial up that blitz with that ferocity, they're going to be rolling no matter who they're playing, except for Eric Berrier.
6: yes. Um, the issue, though, with that, and, and Coach How kind of s- said it on the Grizzly Sports Report, not really in the press conference, was that he wishes that they kind of disguised and switched up coverages a little bit more in the second huh. half. The issue with that is, like, Barry knew exactly where, like, yes, there was pressure, but he knew where it was and he knew where he was going to go with the football, and that's a little bit different. Like, that was that's the difference, and that's what you're saying with Cam. Like, you you see these guys on
0: the sidelines. Did you notice Barrier sort of laughing? At the Grizz pressure. Like, even when they were bringing the heat, and he, he had two plays where he, like, flopped on the ground because he didn't want to get hit because he knew he was already sacked. You could see him, like, laughing, though, at the Grizz guys because it was like, hey, I see where you guys are coming from. You're bringing it right now, but we're going to find the weakness. It was almost like he knew that they were going to find it.
6: Yeah, I mean, I didn't notice that. He he took some bad sacks, too, though. He like, he, I mean, he, you know, went back 20, 30 yards a couple times and took some. some Weird sacks. I, I bet he was just kind of laughing. I bet the Grizz were talking a lot of smack, and sure. he was kind of responding in that situation. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing with blitzing, though. When you blitz, yeah. you know you have one-on-one coverage, so you know where to go with the football. Sure. And I think that Montana could have done a, a job of, you know, maybe faking some blitzes, and then and then the snap happens, and then you don't know exactly where you're going with it. And I think that's what Coach Houck was kind of referring to there as, as, as far as the coverage goes. But, like I said... You know, Montana played played well defensively. I think they got worn down a little bit. And once that momentum shifts, like Montana had a chance to step on their throat. And they, and they couldn't do it. And Eastern regained the momentum. And momentum is a funny thing in sports. And yeah. Montana just uh, couldn't slow them down once that happened.
0: You weren't at the post-game press conference, right?
6: Yeah, I was. Oh, you were? Yeah. Okay
0: man it was late <laughs> i was trying to get my recorder set up. i had no idea what was going on okay but there was a question that's right you were because you asked the opening question to coach elk which i appreciated because uh he was not in a good mood <laughs> of course he wasn't um but there was a question from a one of the spokane media guys to aaron best about the roller coaster of that game and best kind of chuckled at him he's like you must not have been coming to eastern washington games for that long I, that's probably the 20th game I've covered at that field between them, my Eastern Washington hosts in Montana, Montana State. Some of the other playoff games that we went to When the Cats and the Grizz weren't in the playoffs, like when Cooper Cup was a senior. And uh, they're always in those sort of shootouts, but they almost always figure out a, a way to win, particularly at home. And so, I mean, how much of that is a mentality? I think that's the number one thing that Eastern has had over Montana in this, this space of time, this last 10 years, is that they believe that they're going to win, but also they're not scared of Montana. They love, like you were saying, their defense plays way better when they play Montana. They love playing Montana.
6: Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're just, I mean, they have talent and they usually, they and they match up well against what Montana's strengths are. I think that, you know, that's yep. one of the reasons why that they've always been Good against Montana at home, and they're good against everybody at home. You know, I think right. we we
0: just I mean, they're here like sixty five and ten as they started yeah, playing on the red.
6: We just don't see it as like as much because you know most Grizz fans aren't paying attention to every single Eastern home game sure. and how they do against everybody else. You're more paying attention to how they did against Montana. Um, the other aspect of this, though, um, which I, I I don't think can go without criticism, is I thought that the clock management um, was a little shaky. Um, Which I,
0: I find the fact that the play calling on offense seems very rudimentary and the clock management has been very average. That seems so strange because it, that has been good the last couple years under this offensive staff, right? Well,
6: I don't think the. – I'm just talking about this last game. I sure. The clock management has been fine. Fine, sure. Friends. Right, right. But I'm saying – so a lot of people were talking about um, the first down run with like a little over two minutes to go by Eastern. A lot of people saying that the, the running back went out of bounds. Right. Coach Hawk told me that over 2 minutes the clock still goes. So that's what he told me. I didn't realize that that was the case. Interesting. Uh, I still don't know if that is the case.
0: I don't either and I got multiple texts about that too. And I didn't know the answer.
6: Yeah. But anyways, the clock was going I personally would have called a timeout right there. Yes. Because I mean that's 35 seconds right there. So that you're saving which you can on offense you can you can make up more than 35 seconds per play because you're going faster than that. Like I would have called timeout there, but then I thought it was a bad job by best. I know they were going for the kill shot, but if you run the ball there in that scenario and make Montana call their next timeout, the way that Montana's offense was going, um, it's a slim to none chance that if you make them use all their timeouts, that they're going to be able to you know, go the length of the field and, and score. So I thought that best gave Montana a better chance to win by throwing the ball. But then on that on that sack of Cam Humphrey early in that drive, Montana didn't take another timeout, and then another twenty or so seconds goes off because they had they had two timeouts with twelve seconds to go. Like your timeouts don't do you anything at, at that point. You know the time is the most important. Your time is your enemy in that scenario, and so when you get sacked, that is when you're scrambling around the most and the most time is going to go off the clock. Like, there's no other scenario later on in that drive unless there's another sack, which is, if that happens, you're probably going to lose anyways. So I would have called a timeout after the first sack, um, saved 20 seconds, because if they would have had another 20 seconds to go, they might win that game, because they might have enough time. I mean, you could run two, three more plays, get closer to the end zone, and have a few shots at it. And so I thought the clock management was um, not ideal. um, And I know, you know, in hindsight is you know 2020 20, and you can you know go about it that way but i i personally did not um that's not how i would have used the timeouts
0: sean rainey swx montana television recording this on a tuesday night from the swx abc fox montana studio sean is the sports director at swx and this is Nuana is now uh, on espn radio as well as swx montana television um Moving on from the actual results of the game, a couple other things to get to one. The number one question I asked Coach Halleck at the press conference this week was it's very rare you go undefeated at this level. And oftentimes the response from your last loss is the most important thing in the scope of an FCS season. You got to get rolling again to get in the playoffs, get in the playoffs hot. If you're in the playoffs hot, you can make a run and maybe you can win it all. So, to me, it's a disheartening loss. I think you could tell Bobby Hal had not considered even the prospect that they could lose. I mean, he was pretty shell-shocked after the game. I don't think he was even closer prepared to give up 34 points. That said, though, uh, all is not lost for the Grizz. I think that the way that they're playing right now, particularly in defense on special teams, is at an elite level. I think they're going to roll through the rest of the league for a little while now.
6: The schedule is... Almost as ideal as you could have it um, if you're Montana, because, like, imagine if they were playing Sac State at home this weekend. Like, it would be, um, it would be a a much harder, difficult task. But the fact that you know, especially if Cam's going to be out, to be able to get Chris Brown some reps against a Dixie State team that is not very good. Um, and, and an opportunity to kind of <clears throat> get some guys healthy, kind of lick your, lick your wounds a little bit, and and try to have a get-right game at home against Dixie State. And then you kind of dive into the rest of the Big Sky schedule. All the more difficult teams on paper that you face are at home. Sure.
0: None of them have quarterbacks that can make throws against this pass rush. That's the point blank it to
6: me. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, And that's what you know. I asked um, Omar Hicks on it like, in the press conference. It's like, that's the best offense and the best quarterback you're going to face all year. You know? So, there's nowhere to go but up. Especially on the defensive side of things. Like, you,
0: you've seen a lot of big sky quarterbacks. Where's Eric Berry or Rake?
6: Um, that's a good question. I still think that, like, would you take him or Vernon Adams? Vernon Adams. Yeah, me too.
0: I'd take Vernon Adams or everybody. Yeah.
6: I mean, I... Vernon Adams is the
0: best quarterback i see in the big sky.
6: Who's better? Um... Yeah. I mean,
0: in no particular order in the fifteen I mean, years I've. That, in no particular order, this listen, not this yeah, is not listen, order. You know him off the top. The, head the, head the, head no no the, question, head. Uh, the guys that are like in the conversation are Daenerys, McGee and at, uh, at Montana State, three straight Big guy titles, three straight MVPs. I, I, would take,
6: I would take Berrier over McGee.
0: Okay, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 I think Daenerys today yeah, is very good. Yeah. Uh, I'm just I'm just saying, guys that are in the conversation, Tenaris McGee, Dakota Prukop, and Montana State. Those two guys. I take over I, I I I would too. Uh, Garrett Saffron at Sac State.
2: Berrier. Saffron was really good, but I would take Berrier, too. Yeah.
0: Uh, from the east and that's a testament to how good Eastern's been like Case Cookus from NAU is probably in the conversation a little bit
6: see it'd just be interesting to see because how much of it is system and how much of it is quarterback like I think is great but uh, he also plays in a great system it's true
0: Cookus his best years were when Tim Plough was there and and Tim Plough was awesome Jake Mayer's been a really good quarterback who also by the way played for Plough because Plough went from NAU to UC Davis back to his alma mater Uh, I mean Justin Arias at Idaho State was really good. He was a finalist for the Payton. But pretty much everybody else that's in the conversation, I guess at Montana, it's, I mean, if we're talking about this exact last 10 year time period, Jordan Johnson's maybe in that conversation. But Montana's been a little bit a step down, like in terms of these elite quarterback guys.
6: I think Sneed was pretty. Oh, no,
0: no Dalton Steed was good. Yeah, no, no, no question. I would actually say Dalton Steed's the best quarterback Montana's had in the last 10 years, for sure. Uh, Sneed's really good. I, I've always thought Sneed was very good. Um, but all the rest of the guys are Eastern guys: Eric Meyer, Matt Nichols, Bo Levi Mitchell, uh, Vernon Adams, Gage Gubrud, and Eric Barrier. So basically, it's like, where does Berrier rank amongst Eastern quarterbacks? Like I would take Vernon Adams over him, but I'd take Barriere over Gubrud. I'd take Barriere over Bo Levi Mitchell. Like I take Barry over most guys, man. He's pretty good.
6: Yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. I it's just hard because I don't know. There's something about him. Like he's obviously really good, but there's just. I don't know. There's just something about him that... Is it because
0: he throws the ball without using the laces? No, no. no. I love that.
6: No, there's just... Uh, I don't know. Um, he, he's really, really good. It, it's hard to kind of, like, go with guys between programs and generations and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, obviously, he's by the guys we're listing off, he's top three in the ones that I've seen in the last you know, decade plus.
0: He's very good. John Rainey, SWX Montana Television, joining me, Coulter nuanas. This segment brought to you by SportsBet Montana. No matter where you're at in Montana, there's probably a SportsBet Montana kiosk. You can also get the app, but you're going to have to be within the geofencing area to use the app. But they also have in-game betting, not necessarily what the uh, the gambling gurus would call teasers, but that you can bet all these different lines. Uh, so it's a fun way to be engaged in the game, and, and SportsBet Montana, run by the Montana Lottery. Uh, they're trying to make it easy for you and let you have a great experience watching football or anything else in between. Uh Monday's press conference started with Montana sports information saying there will be no questions about injuries uh, addressed at this presser. We're not sitting here trying to diagnose anybody or talk about injuries in terms of the specifics of what's happening to the guys. Let's talk about the likely possibility of several guys being out and what's next for well, the, at those positions. Yeah,
6: before we get into that, I want to ask you your sure. opinion on how Montana handles injuries and at the college level because – obviously like these big schools like alabama and all this stuff like we hear injury reports just like any other you know nfl team or whatever like that you know but here um you know montana just says hey we're not gonna talk about it and like that's just how it is like i don't i don't you know what i mean so like what, your thoughts on like how how the injury situation is like handled
0: Man, I don't know. Mike Montana's always used HIPAA as a, an argument against it. I do feel there's validity in that. Like, if a kid doesn't want you to be talking about the specifics of his injury, I think that's adequate. I don't think you should talk about people's medical stuff. That's private. But, but if they if they say it's okay, then maybe you can. I don't really know. I think that the, the specifics of the injury aside, I think that it's uh, – if a guy's going to be out for for indefinitely or permanently, I think you should address that because there's no real smokescreen. Like, the dude's not coming back.
6: Yeah, I just think it's just kind of interesting because normally like, you would think you would might get a little, like, you know, yeah, he's, he's banged up. Well, we're going to see if he can give it a go or whatever. You, like, there's ways to, like, you know, mask it, not give anything to the opponent, but also, like, address it still, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's just... I guess it just
0: depends on when it happens and stuff, too. Troy Anderson got hurt against UC Davis the week before the rivalry game between Montana and Montana State.
6: Yeah, of course. So, you're not going to... So, of so
0: course, it. you put it under wraps. You don't want... You know, you want Montana to think Troy Anderson's playing, whatever.
6: Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, like with with Gabe Solsters, for instance, sure. like, um, he's obviously had a history of, like, ACL stuff, and, you know, that's kind of, like, your biggest fear that it's ACL and done for the year. If that is the case, then, like, there's no point in... In saying that he's he's done, you know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. Like not coming back. Yeah. So like if if he is done, like you can just say that, you know. And if he's not, you just be like, oh, you know, we're we're it's it's not an ACL. He's not done for the year. Status uncertain. Or something. You know, just something. Would
0: so, be next. so roster updates for the Grizz. First and foremost. Uh, people have been asked about Gavin Robertson. Sources say that he's been sick. They expect him to be back. That's just all we know on that one. Uh, Joe Babros didn't practice last week. He's wearing a walking boot on his left foot. So he's probably out, uh, indefinitely. And, uh, cam humphrey i wouldn't expect him to play anytime soon gabe Solser, i wouldn't expect him to play anytime soon and then probably the last one which is a definitive one because this guy announced it himself colton kines who's been the starting right guard this year i a Missoula big sky guy former walk-on who's made himself into a pretty darn good player uh, he announced on twitter that he's walking away from the game uh so that one actually is is impactful because kines has been pretty good this year
6: yep and uh Deary todd got nicked up and so he's did he come back? I
0: I I, I thought I saw him come back later. He
6: did, but he was you know had a brace on his knee and was a little gimpy. And and that's where it gets interesting is when you're starting to have cluster injuries in the same position. You know, so if Fabros goes out and then his replacement gets hurt, right. so that's when it starts getting um, – where it starts really testing your depth.
0: I mean, Henry Noose, the, the kid from Calispell Glacier, he's on the depth chart now. He's out, he's up on the two deep because of some of these guys that have fallen in front of him.
6: Yeah, and he would have never played if there was no injuries. Right. Not saying that he's a bad player. But well, he's saying. fine. He's, and he's got into
0: games. He's been fine when he got into games. But yeah, no, you're right. He's,
6: young. he's just young. And so that's what I'm saying. Montana's Montana's got a – they're in a – a couple games stretch here where if if they start getting a couple more injuries here and there like it's starting to get into to danger zone here so um, especially at the quarterback position um, it's crazy so I was <clears throat> thinking about it Montana has not had a quarterback starting quarterback make it through the season since 2013 they have not had their starting quarterback make it all the way through the year since 2013 like that, that was
0: Jordan Johnson's first year back is that right?
6: Yeah. yeah like that's crazy like they've had their quarterback starting quarterback gets injured every single year and so it's just uh it's been wild i don't, I don't know people want to say it's this or it's that I, I i don't know i think it's some of it's just kind of fluky but it's just uh you know hasn't hasn't been the best of luck at that position for sure
0: couple texts from our listeners from over the last couple of days speaking of injuries one of the texts was about that uh if you're working on getting info on injuries please include childs and osmo Again, we're never going to get specifics on this stuff, so we can't give you definitive. We can only give you vague but likely, if not certain, answers. Osmo, as my sources say, will be back. I don't know what's up with Childs. But Montana's running backs, that's a, a position that's pretty thin as well.
6: See, I'm you. I'm putting it in a hard spot when no, it comes to injuries because saying. I get told a lot of things. that You can't say. Because, you know. I'm, yes, I am a reporter for the TV station that covers the team, but I'm also kind of almost employed by the team in Learfield when I host the Grizzly Sports Report. And so everything that I kind of get told in that, sure. through that, you know, form, I then can't really say anything about certain injuries. So, like, I know some of these question marks, um, sure. but I can't really dive into them because, you know, you're, you're kind of privy to that information when normally you wouldn't based on that role. So um, I think... Child's a little nicked up. Um, you know, I mean he, he played early in that game and then, you know, obviously didn't um he's gonna be kind of like a uh you know, he's nicked up and so he'll be available, but will he be a hundred percent right. Will he be a hundred percent all year? I you know, they're they're hurting at the running back position though. Um so hopefully they get Osmo back soon. Um, you know, I, don't think there, I think there's a small outside chance that maybe Knight can play at the very end of the year, but yeah, we'll how much do you really want to push that to? So, um, yeah, injuries, um, they got to stay healthy because football, a lot of the times, is just who's the healthiest at the end. That's just the nature of the business.
0: Last thing for you, <laughs> the question everybody wants to know, how will the Grizz be at quarterback with Chris Brown?
6: Well – I just this is what everybody's wanted. This is what everybody's I clamoring for. I know. Everybody in my Twitter mentions all game long. You uh, people are so predictable. This is the thing I have to
0: tell you. The backup quarterback's been the most popular man in Missoula for like 27 years. Get a new shtick. No, but it, it is funny, though, because it, Cam Humphrey, obviously a six-year senior. I don't expect him to play this weekend or, or any time moving forward for a couple weeks at least. Uh, but Chris Brown is a very talented guy. we just never seen him perform in games whatsoever.
6: Yeah, and... You know, I, I put this out on Twitter. I'm going to say it here, too. Like, there's a lot of people on Twitter and my mentions and all over the place that were not happy with the quarterback play and kind of calling out names and using curse words and this and that. And I don't know how you feel about it, but kind of at the college level, um, I think there's just a, a line, like a fine line that you have to go when it comes to criticism um, of athletes. And I think naming guys – and having it be disrespectful and putting it out somewhere on social media where it's public and everybody can read it and they can see it is just um, unneeded, in my yeah, opinion. Um, there's ways to go about it where you're not calling people out. Like I, like we were earlier, we were talking like saying the the throw in the end zone that was a pick. The wide the wide receiver could, you know, maybe do, try and do a little bit better job of making sure that the the DB doesn't get that interception. But we do that without saying names and things like that. Like, sure. even though we know, like, there's just, there's ways to go about it that don't really, you know, kind of cross that line. But everyone has been clamoring for Chris Brown. And, um, you know, I bet they felt a little bad when they were saying, get him in the game, get him in the game. And then Cam gets hurt and it wasn't pretty. And then he does get in the game. Um, obviously this kid um, looks the part, has all the physical tools, big, Strong, can move, has an arm, certainly look comfortable there late in the game. Like, that was a pretty impressive uh, play just to, get that, just to get that off. Obviously, the question is, as a young quarterback, does he know where to go with the football? How is he going to respond when he hits adversity for the first time? Can he go through his reads? That kind of stuff. He got into games so far this year late and made a couple of wrong reads and stuff. Um, when talking to Coach Houck. And so that it's going to be interesting. Um, I think he has a higher ceiling.
0: He's just, without doubt. Cam Hovers is your quarterback. Chris Brown's is really talented.
6: Yeah, he definitely has a higher ceiling. It's just how how high of that can he achieve in his first year playing? Yeah. Um, but that's why I think as far as if, if you had to have an injury, this is almost like the right time of the schedule to have it. So... Um, It'll, we'll see how he looks. And uh, all I can say is hopefully he stays healthy because it, it starts getting real thin once you get you know past the, the two deep. I mean, and that's at a lot of positions. But especially at this quarterback position for Montana, Chris Brown's going to have to stay, stay healthy. So it's gonna be, I'm going to be curious to see how they coach him up. Like when he's running the ball, might want to tell him to slide a little bit.
0: <laughs> all you got to do is be solid to get a team like this on a playoff run if they can get hot. I mean, Montana State's a great example of that. Chris Brown has a much higher ceiling than Tucker Rovick. And Tucker Rovick led Montana State, or at least was a part of a team for Montana State that went to the semifinals of the FCS playoffs. So the season is long. Uh, really, honestly, at this level, you could say it for better or worse, but how you play once your back is against the wall is all that really matters. I mean, people forget like that 2019 season for Montana State. They lost 12-10 to at North Dakota. And they were one game above five hundred, And then they ripped off eight wins in a row, and they go all the way to the semifinals in Fargo. Once your back is against the ball, that's when you have to go win. This one loss for the Grizz is not that big
6: of a deal. How many losses do the Grizz have going into Brawl of the Wild? One. That's one. agree.
0: I don't really think they have another game that's gonna be really that losable. The other thing is Eastern Washington is really good, but also it's a worse matchup in the league for the Grizz. And they play a bunch of teams that are are good ma- that are way better matchups for them. Like no one's gonna be able to handle the Grizz pass rush like Easter did. The only reason they could is because Barry is
6: special. And I think I think the Grizz win that game by a score or two if it's home.
0: For sure. No so. question. Sean Rainey, SWX Montana Television joining me here. Colter Nuanes on Nuñez now. And uh, we'll keep doing this on uh, Tuesday nights, Wednesdays, whenever. Thanks, man. Appreciate you being here.
6: Hey, it was a blast, as always.
0: Usually, we pre-record the following segment, but now, today, we're doing it live, and I'm very excited about it. I know she's not very excited about the cold, but uh, maybe she'll become more acclimated to it soon. She's Alex Elcherman. She joins us once a week here on Nuanas now for the Montana State Minute to talk all things Bobcat football, and maybe even updates on Southwest Montana as well. Alex, thanks so much for being with us. How you doing? Colder,
4: can you
0: hear me? There you are. As I was saying, Alrighty. I know you're not enthused about the uh, impending cold weather, but uh, g- good to have you on the show.
4: Oh, Coulter, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you know, these are our last few days, it looks like, at least for now. So I am soaking up the sun in every way possible.
0: Well, that is definitely good. I know it's been some sun-kissed Saturdays at Bobcat Stadium already, so let's start there. Last week, right. Montana State a 40-7 to victory over Northern Colorado. Uh, the talking points coming out of this game that are the most interesting are uh, a broken clipboard, some tight pants, and a beautiful Bozeman Saturday. Other than that, I've, Bobcats <laughs> pretty much rolled. So what did you think? I know you were on the call last week. So what did you think from the sidelines? What did you see in the Bobcats? Right, Coulter. I know.
4: Definitely interesting storyline coming out there between uh, Coach McCaffrey uh, Max McCaffrey, the OC and um, and the clipboard story. Hopefully that all gets squared away. It sounds like they're working in internally to get all of that sorted out. Uh, but in terms of the game, such an exciting performance. The most beautiful day that we've had so far at Bobcat Stadium. My favorite part was the connection between... So first of all, we had the Callahan O'Reilly interception, right? That was his first... Career pick, followed up by the Lance McCutcheon touchdown is his first rushing touchdown of his career, and then the second on the day for him. Two Bozeman natives. How fun was that to see? Um, and then we also had Eric Zimbrano's first pick of his career. Just a beautiful performance offensively. Such a complete performance. Um, you know, between the rushing attack, the passing attack, offensively was perfect. And then defense just seems to. Keep getting better and better, in my opinion. Um, Ty Okada is just an animal. So fun to watch him play. Daniel Hardy uh, had a a great game. Um, It it was a great, great, great win for the Bobcats moving into their third conference game this weekend.
0: That's one of the most fascinating parts about this team to me is that we've already talked about some of the guys that have blossomed before our eyes into stars, like Ty Okada and Daniel Mm -hmm. Hardy. Already, you know, it gives an already elite roster a couple more elite guys, but now we see some of the young guys coming as well. And I know that there's been some scrutiny about the the schedule that Montana State's playing. You know, a lot of people are thinking, what do we think of the Bobcats right now? Because they're they're just taking care of business against overmatched teams on their home field, which they should. But that said, I think that the building of confidence amongst uh, the younger guys on the roster is huge. Saw James Campbell go down with an injury against Portland State, Mm -hmm. and Simeon Woodard steps in. He's balling. He had a pick against Portland State, and now Eric Zambrano, you mentioned him, his first career pick. So that's a freshman and a sophomore. And so it just seems to me that even though Montana State has been rolling in these games, they've also been able to get way more guys involved. So what have you thought of some of their young players stepping up?
4: Right, Coulter. And I'm really happy you kind of talked about the confidence aspect. Coach Vegan specifically pointed that out in his post game press, press conference. He said I'm so pleased so far with the progression that my that our team has made back in from starting back at the spring game in April to now he said it's pretty incredible and I think that when you have a first year head coach and a new coaching staff and all of the transition that happened within this past year year and a half I think that Montana State's schedule is, is perfect for what this team is right now. They needed to be able to build that confidence in this first part of the year. And then in terms of the younger players stepping up, love Justice Perkins, love T.J. Session. They've been able to fit right in to that O-line group this season. Um, and they're doing a pretty good job up front considering Montana State has the uh, their first in the big sky in rushing yards per game, so you can't complain there. And then um, defensively, like you said, Eric Zambrano has been one. I know Jeffrey Campbell isn't a freshman by any means, but he is a transfer from Oregon State. It's been fun to watch him play. And uh, like you said, Daniel Hardy as well. Again, uh, a senior leader on this team, but making that transition to, um, for, to that DB position and just dominating so quickly within these first five games has been exciting to watch.
0: Alex Sussman joining us on the Rankage Brothers RV phone. Nice the Montana State Minute. We do this once a week, just checking in on all things Bobcat football. And uh, what do you think? I mean, do you feel like this is an advantage or a disadvantage to have your schedule front-loaded like this with so many home games? Because Montana State, they play their fourth of six home games on Saturday. And on you can talk about the, the quality of the opponent, but also the fact is that they're getting these games out of the way. On one end, you could say the weather's a lot nicer, but the way that this program was built under Jeff Choate, he actually wanted the weather to be worse because he just wanted to run the ball. So what do you think of just the fact that (laughs) Mateo State kind of has this front-loaded schedule with all these home games so early?
4: I think, like I said, Colter, I think this is exactly what a newer program needs. And when you have a first-year head coach, when you've got a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, all of the trials that this program had to overcome with not only COVID, but, of course, Jeff Choate moving on to Texas and having all of those changes and transitions, I think it's nice for this program to have some stability in that they have a little bit of an easier schedule to start off their season, and, of course, they have home field advantage through these first five games. I think that they needed that to to not only gain confidence within themselves, but within the entire team to understand these new offensive and defensive schemes that Coach Vegan has been implementing since he got here in February. I personally think this is what you need when you have a brand new team, and I think that this team has gained the confidence and has gained the understanding and trust between each other to then move on into this next half of the season and play those tougher opponents such as, you know, the Grizz, obviously, in in November and Eastern Washington.
0: Coming up in about 10, 15 minutes, we got our weekly fantasy football advice segment. So if you want to start asking me some questions, send some text to the text line, 406-888-1029. Andrew Houghton will forward those along to me from the back. You got questions, comments, you want to know who to start over who in your fantasy football league all of that, we got that for you coming up on a Wing winged Wednesday here in about 10 minutes, uh, but also you will be entered if you do engage in the conversation for an opportunity to win a dozen wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. We do this each and every Wednesday here on Nuanez Now, so get those texts coming right now. Fancy football comments, commentary, advice, whatever, hit me with it, and we'll go over those here in, a, in about 10 minutes. Alex Esselman joining us here now on Nuanez Now. It's the Montana State Minute. And one other guy i got to ask you about, I know he has uh, started to build momentum in in terms of people talking about him, but he had a breakout game. His first 100-yard game as a Bobcat, that's Elijah Elliott. And uh, he's awesome to watch, very, very fun kid to watch. Uh, But just your impressions of the young kid from Portland because uh, I think we kind of saw it coming with fall and spring balls, watching him in practice, but now he's kind of showing the rest of the league what he's all Mm -hmm. about as well.
4: Yeah, Coulter. My favorite thing about Elijah. So we spoke with him a couple weeks ago after his first uh, career touchdown and at Bobcat Stadium. And my one of my favorite stories so far this season is he said when he was running into the end zone, he was looking up and looking at himself running into the end zone and scoring his first touchdown with a big smile on his face. And he that type of energy from a from a newcomer is. So exciting because you know that they're so excited to be there. They're so excited to continue to build off of the early success that they're having within their pro within uh, their their beginning years of being a college athlete. And I think the sky's the limit for Elijah Elliott. And I think he believes that too. I think his teammates see that. I think his coaches see that. And. I, again, I mean, what's better than being able, he just, he just loved that moment, he was soaking it in and feel good stories like that you just have
0: to love You do have to love, I gotta tell you a story about Eric Zambrano because I think you'll like this as well Eric Zambrano, sophomore corner there at Montana State he had his first career pick last week and I interviewed him on a media day and it was my first time talking to him in person because I had talked to him when he was getting recruited but had never talked to him in person and uh, what a funny guy but also what a uh, confident kid because I asked him, I said you know what's it like trying to break into the lineup as a young guy? Because he played a lot as a freshman, too. And uh, he said, sure. he goes, Psh, you kidding me? I'm the best corner of the Big Sky Conference. People don't even know what's coming. I <laughs> love that he was so confident. But I think that's what it takes to play corner. And, and he's starting to he's starting to back up that talk with his play as well.
4: You know, Colter, I think that there are a lot of players on Montana State's team that have this quiet confidence about themselves. It's not... I, I love it because it's not an arrogance or, or a cockiness to it. It's just they're, they have this confidence about their personal game, but at the end of the day, they're all about the team. Like when I talked to Will, uh, Willie Patterson um, before the season started, I said, you know, who do you think had a breakout ball camp? And he was like, Willie P. It's Willie P's time. I'm like, okay, <laughs> love it. Same with Daniel Hardy. I said, who do you think? At a breakout ball camp, who do you think really did, did uh, the best that they could do? And he said, I think me. I think it was me. <laughs> and I said, great. But they don't act like you know, that can come off as um, being arrogant, but th- they don't come off like that at all. It's, uh, it's, at the end of the day, all about the team, but you have to have that personal confidence within yourself. And I think those two things meshing together is what made this team so successful early on in the season.
0: Well, last thing for you then, Alex, this weekend, homecoming weekend, Cal Poly coming to town, and yet again, another rebuilding mm-hmm. program that's uh, struggled so far this season and uh, a Montana State team that seems to continue to gain confidence, so uh, there's no real reason to expect anything but a big, another big Bobcat victory on Saturday, right? Yeah, I, I would say
4: so, Colter, I would say so. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think that one guy to really watch out for is, is Matt Shotwell. I think that you know, leading tackler for Cal Poly the past three seasons, and it doesn't look like it's going to be much different this upcoming season. And then I'm really interested to see how their offense is. I've heard that they, they've they played four to five different quarterbacks so far this season, so uh, the scheme has to be pretty vast, and I know that Coach Vegan and the rest of the, um, the defense are watching quite a, quite a bit of film uh, this week prior to homecoming.
0: Well, Bo Baldwin, one of the best offensive minds Big Sky has seen. We had Nick Edwards on the show earlier this week, the offensive coordinator for Cal Poly, another guy with deep Big Sky conference roots. So Cal Poly, they'll get it figured out. That coaching staff knows how to win in this league because they did it for a lot of years at Eastern Washington. So we'll see how long it takes them to get Cal Poly turned around. But either way, Alex Escherman, she joins us once a week here on Nuwana's Now. She is a reporter at SWX Montana Television in Bozeman, bringing us the Montana State Minute. Alex, a true pleasure. Thanks for coming on live this week. uh, We we appreciate it, and we hope to hear from you again soon. Colter, as
4: always, such a privilege to be on your show. It's the best across the Treasure State, and uh, I'm excited to be back next Wednesday.